welcome back, Pod, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Adventurers Anonymous, your weekly dose of fantasy fuck nuggetry. For those of you who are new or just plain lost, this is an actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Every week, six friends crack out some top draw cocktails, dust off their dice, and embark on an improvised make believe adventure. You join us partway through the campaign as a failed dragonborn wizard turned children's party entertainer, a dirty old priest on the brink of the afterlife, an orc with the IQ of a pinecone, a well-dressed sassy blue demon covered in bees, and a retired no marcher with no fingers, boldly go where no geek has gone before. So, grab yourself a beverage, pull up a chair, and join us for this week's episode. Please do enjoy. We're live. Sorry, as I was saying, we're apparently a big deal in Ohio mm. now. About oh, a big deal. Blue jackets. <laughs> blue jackets. Is that Butlins? Yes, Pontins or Butlins. Go, go Butlins. <laughs> this this week's episode is sponsored by Butlins. <laughs> the holiday no one ever wanted. Mm-hmm. It's true. Wow. Mm, such a disappointing holiday. That's not going to translate well at all across the globe to our international audience. Right. I have done us. As ever, a little intro catch-up, because I know not everyone was able to tune in last week. So, here we go. Last we left off with our intrepid adventurers. They had just about made a new acquaintance and co-pilot, a turtle named Simic, driver of the coach and horses. They had stolen from the elves in their frantic escape the week before. During the course of an episode that refused to be linear and stay on track, our intrepid adventurers decided to set off north up the continent and head deeper into the cold tundra and mountains above. Along the way, they tried their hand at the noble art form of fishing, deciding to forego patience and tact and just use magic and brute force to coerce food from the very depths of a freshwater lake. I would describe to you how that worked out. My lawyer has advised me against it. Further along the road, the party tried fording a deep-flowing river and naturally bust a wheel. Balls deep in freezing cold water, the party combined Hanash's raw strength and Belsiar's off-the-cuff magic to literally dig themselves out of the situation. A short while later, arriving at the foot of the Flockkett Alps, the party decided that rather than press on further in search of fame and glory, they would make a pit stop off at the dwarven and elven city of Uthadern, high up in the mountain's rock face. Somehow arriving in the city in one piece, they opted not to look around, but to hitch up literally at the first inn they could find, called the Cracked Cup, a mere 200 feet from the front gates of the city. Subtlety, not being in Aristobulus's wheelhouse, he proceeded to noisily spaff a small fortune paying for the drinks of all of the inn's denizens before heading up to his room. As the party returned from their rooms, Belsiar came back into the inn's tap room to see it heaving with members of the local militia, the Glass Blades. And that is where we will pick up today's episode. Are these nice militia? Uh, As you come down into the smoky, stanky tap room full of, like, all the good smells of a great bar, stale beer, sweat, B.O., hog scratchings, you see... The militia are not badly dressed. I mean, they look dwarfen. They look well-worn. They look like rugged militia who are used to the Arctic tundra. Uh, This isn't like Dad's army. This is like proper hunters, proper survivors, people who know how to hunt for their dinner. Mm. Maybe 
10 or 12 of them deep at the bar. Okay, so where where were we at this point? Were we still in the bar area? No, you're you're just upstairs. You 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 all agreed basically that after Aristobulus had faffed a lot of money, you all went up to your rooms to have a bath, put some clothes on, have a little, you know, have a little uh, disco nap. And then you were going to come back for the evening reel. Uh, Belsiard is having to come down first. So. Okay. Um, yeah. I'd like to do a poop, please. Flashing back to Hanash's room. <laughs> <laughs> there is a basket anywhere. Looking for a wicker basket, looking everywhere, looking for a desk drawer, you can't find one. Finally, you find the room to the um, privies at the end of the corridor where you see a number of planks across a long drop. I squat down. Oh, these are sitting planks. Oh, take a seat. As you take a seat, you feel a blast of cold Arctic air shooting up. You realise you are literally shitting off the side of the city wall. 400 feet down a mountainside as a as a, a blast of cold air hits your thing. Do I need to make a performance check to poo in these circumstances <laughs> or can I or, or am I do I have the stones to, to do this? I don't know what kind of manoeuvre are we talking about? Are we just are we, just, we, just, just, just normal sit down poo really? Crazy uh, <laughs> never thought you'd <laughs> you know you stand there you sit down you take a deuce um, your your diet's been fairly plant free for a while, so make me a nature, <laughs> make me a medicine check, make me a medicine. Oh my god, isn't it been that bad? Oh, oh my god, scary. Ten, premium roads. Yeah, you you sit there for a while, whistling, straining, the good grunt coming out. Uh, you have to lift your tail now. You're getting used to having oh, your tail. tail. Mm. You lift your tail up out the way and uh, have at it. Uh, curious to listen for the sound, waiting for it to hit the ground. Looking down, you realise it's you can't see the bottom. I uh, yeah, I just all you, all you see is a slight snowy slope of the mountain beneath the long drop with a weird discoloured trail <laughs> going down it. <laughs> I chuckled to myself. I found something to, to whack, and then I and then I joined the group. I mean, it is the tavern toilet. It is going to be a little bit discoloured. Hmm? Um, coming back to join the rest of... Yeah, Matt, we might as well start with you. What, what are you doing as you come to the bottom of the stairs and look out onto the tap room with these sort of 10 or 12 extra dwarfs who look like they've come in out of the cold? I mean, pretty much you're 400 feet up a mountain. Everything's fucking cold at this point, but... Assuming they look like jolly dwarfs... Um, so racist. I guess I'm sorry. Um... I'm going to look for, like, the leader or the, the head dwarf. Uh, looking at the group of dwarfs, you discern purely by size, scars, furs, and the size of the ginormous warhammer that he's carrying, a particular dwarf at the front propping up the bar with a foamy mug of ale in one hand. I'm going to go over to him with the objective of getting him to buy us all drinks, but I don't know how I'm going to do that, so I'm just going to say, well met, good dwarf. He turns around and looks at you, looking at your navel, as he's a dwarf, and you notice in this bar, the bar is a bit lower than your average bar. Being a dwarf bar, um, being in a city that's predominantly dwarfen, with a sort of reasonable amount of elves, you... See, the bar's a bit lower as he looks over at you, a grizzled man with a scar running across one ear to one eye. He looks up at you and says, A dragonborn! You don't see many dragonborn around here. Scaly. 
probably because we're very tall. You need to look up more. <sighs> you see him chewing on like a wasp. He doesn't look particularly happy as you hear his gloved hands tightening on his warhammer that he's holding. Without taking eye contact off you, he takes a long swig from his foamy mug of ale that leaves him with a white moustache. I mean to say that they've, uh, they've they've really lowered the bar around here in terms of uh, who they they let me in they'll let anyone in how about how about that he looks you dead in the face he's like quite frankly we don't see many people around here it's quite high up in the mountains visitors come at a premium what news do you bring what what news don't we bring um, there's a uh, there was an airship and. Uh, and some orbs. <laughs> he looks at you and is like, I always thought that your kind was a wee gobshites, and quite frankly, you've done very little to dispel the myth. And he just ignores you and goes back to the bar. No, no, hold hold, hold on. I'm going to reach behind his ear and pull out a, a copper piece. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, if you're going to do that, make me, uh, make me a performance check. Right. Eighteen. Eighteen. Oh, wait, no, nineteen. Nineteen. You pull behind his ear. His hand goes up to grab your wrist. As you pull it back down, you produce a copper piece from behind his ear, and he looks down at the coin, looks up at you, looks down at the coin, looks up at you. Pretty cool, huh? What manner of thief are you, stealing money from behind my ear? Not a thief, sir, but a magician. In my book, there's very little difference. But anyway, I have no time for fucking hand magic. There's a crisis at Pale Bank Village. Oh, we're we're going there, I think. As you say that, all of the militia stop, turn around in one, and stare at you. Are we the crisis? (laughs) (laughs) We're not even there yet. What is this, Minority Report? (laughs) What's your business in Pale Bank Village? Uh, just, 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 um, a holiday. (laughs) He generally spits out his ale across the counter. He's like, that's a funny kind of place to be holidaying. It's fucking colder than a witch's nipple. As he says, you know, it's been destroyed. All of us are about to head up there to investigate the flaming wreck of Palevank Village. That sounds bad for us because we were going to set up some tents and play some frisbee golf and things like that. And it looks like we're going to have to change our plans. Um, make me a persuasion check. Uh, 13. 13. He looks at you and says, Who's this we you keep on talking about? Um, I take the opportunity to back away a little bit and look around for my companions, but also look to see if I can get to the door. Uh, You see the door is on the other side of the bar with at least 10 to 12 dwarfs and a whole bunch of normal denizens of the bar milling around. You are now the centre of attention of everybody. Um, As I don't know. Panning back to everyone else, what do you want to do? Um, I mean... I guess I'd I guess I'd probably be looking for a drink at this point if, if we've woken up from our power nap. Um, so Tatty and Aristobulus will probably both make way, make their way down to the bar. Nice. Being revealed like a prize on a game show. Two more of you come down and get lots of looks from everyone in the bar. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk down, I'm gonna see everyone, see everyone stare and see the old, like see all the awkwardness. I'm just gonna walk backwards and go back up the steps. I'll be and, and, and I'm just going to listen to what happens from around the corner. Good man. 
What are you doing, Maud? I decide that I'd like to let Aristobulus and Tati go first. So I kind of bring up the back and slowly creep behind them. You know, probably treble the size of them, but I wait to see what happens because I don't want to be attacked first. And they sound really rowdy. Are you staying with Hanash or are you coming down the stairs? Uh, I'll come down the stairs, but slowly. The, the ginormous bright blue thing with a tail very subtly steps downstairs. Um, have they, Have they, like, covered the bar? Is there space to, like, get to the bar itself? I mean, at the moment, they're not being particularly threatening. Uh, they're milling around like a queue at a Weatherspoons on a Saturday night. Uh, if you want to muscle, you probably well, you're the same height as them. Uh, you can probably get to the bar. If I you guess want to. it's quite a long. If, if it's obvious that they're looking at us, Tatty is gonna knowing that he's gonna just kind of go about his business and just kind of go through them to try and get to the bar. Just gonna be like, just gonna be like, excuse me, guys, can I can I get a drink? How tall am I compared to them? Uh, you're human size, so you're just shy of six foot, probably. And how tall uh, are they? I mean, dwarfs vary in size, but uh, about half. Yeah, about three or four feet, something like that. About three or four feet. Oh, okay. Can I then, so they're, they're coming kind of up to my waist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Can I kind of stride in and just, like, fling them? Not fling them, <laughs> but pick them up by the head and move them. Pick them up by the head and move them so I can get to the bottom. Shoot me! Yeah, you can you, you can do that if you wish. So, <laughs> from a narrative point of view, we have Belsiar, <laughs> the king of diplomacy, standing in the middle of them all, um, trying to make small talk and do magic tricks. We've got Hanash at the back, staying back just in case, you know, things go wrong. Presumably not a great idea to bring a blunderbuss into a bar full of police officers. Um, well, they're militia, technically not police, but I think it's the same sort of thing in this kind of city. Um, we've got Tatty subtly weaving his way in and out of the dwarves, trying to act as if nothing's wrong. And we've got Aristobulus, who's already turned heads as he's in the sexiest outfit anyone's ever seen in his little robes, and people are recognising him from earlier with the free drinks. There's talk going on through the denizens at the bar as to whether he's going to open up a free tab again. And then we've got Maud, who just strides into the middle of them all. Um, I'm going to say, make me an athletics check. Because a dwarf is an immovable... I mean, they're low centre of balance, incredibly stocky, and... You want me to make you a what set? A what check? Athletics. Nine. Nine. As you wade in, it's literally like wading through treacle. These are hardy dwarfs at the best of times. They're militia who are used to, you know, being out in the Arctic tundra. They've got full-on furs over their armour, all of them packing weaponry as you... You, you head into the midst of them trying to look calm, cool and collected but you soon you're going round them rather than them going round you are they um, are they like stopping me from getting to the bar no okay I mean, there's an air of, you're in my town. This is very much a backwater town. This isn't like Disneyland. This is a city 400 feet up a mountain in the middle of the wilderness. People are used to living in, in the city. Uh, they don't see they don't see a great deal of tourists. They obviously see traders from time to time, mm-hmm. but they see familiar traders. Uh, the fact that this city is quite set off on its own means that a dragonborn is quite a... Um, 
quite a sight, not something they see every day. Um, so it's not that they're racist, they're just a bit stuck in their ways. Mm-hmm. I still start justifying that one. Hey, this is fantasy racism. Fantasy racism. Mm. Okay, I guess if, if I'm moving towards the bar, if, if I if I get to the bar and I still see people, if I still see like the ones that are closer to the bar itself looking at me, I'll yep. just look back at one of them and say, "Hey, do you want to do you want to eye fuck me some more, or do you want to drink?" Oof. He looks at you. There's a cold look in his face as he stares at you. He holds it for just slightly longer than is comfortable, and he's like, "Well, fucking drink!" As he slams an empty tankard on the bar in front of Good him. Good man. I um, I'm gonna just gesture to the bartender and say, "One of what he had, and another another round for us." And I'll just point at. Aristobulus and Belsiar and Maud. As you look over, you see Aristobulus is already drinking something fruity at the end of the bar with cocktail with like umbrellas. Somehow managed to order like, himself a cocktail. Small plastic <laughs> birds in it. Um, the rest of you, the barman looks at you. It's uh, the same barman that you saw before. Mm. Uh, his name's Llewellyn, and he's the one that um, Aristobulus like put money behind the bar. Uh, the barman looks at you and says, "Well, it be." Um, you got any decent? You got any decent ales? He looks around. He's like, I got one at eight percent, one at twelve percent, one at sixteen percent, and one at twenty-four percent. What time of day is it right now? Uh, about nine p.m. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I'll take I'll take a round of the twelve percent. That'll do for now. He reaches behind him, takes out a load of cracked wooden mugs, slams them on the top and just starts slowly decanting something from a barrel underneath the um, counter. It's not great. It's warm. It's got sediment. It's got, like, a thick head on it that you could pretty much balance a penny on top of. That It's definitely 12%. Okay. I'll, um, once I get the drinks, I'll pass... I'll pass one of them down to the guy that I um, I was talking to before. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. You pass one on to him, and he takes it and says, Flancher! as he like takes a fucking good swig out of it and as you look back he's downed half a pint in a single sitting not me I um I guess I'll I'll walk back over to Belsiar and give him a mug as well and just kind of insert myself into the situation cheers as the um uh as you insert yourself into the situation the the the, the sort of head honcho dwarf captain of the glass blades looks at you and says What's your story, little man? Who are you calling little man? I'm calling you little man. You're about a quarter of my weight. You also seem to be missing your fingers. True. Nasty accident on the road. I'm surprised you managed to carry the ales, quite frankly. Me too. It's a good thing it's a short bar. Jesus Christ, how many more fucking Jorf jokes can we make in a single... Hey, I'm tiny. I get to make these jokes too. This is the only place where I'm allowed to do this. He looks at you and says, cultural appropriation then. Okay. <laughs> and then you with the Scottish fucking accent. <laughs> we, all dwarfs are Scottish, everyone knows that. As he leans out a paw, it's like a giant, his fingers are like Cumberland sausages. They're rugged, scarred, hairy backs to all of his knuckles. As he reaches out a hand, crushes whatever's left of your hand in his and says, my name's Marvo Gammonhammer. Captain of the Glass Blades. Marvo Gavin Hammer. He looks at you and says, 
Thank you for saying my name slowly and incorrectly. All right, Shitbird. I am. Um, my name is Marvo Gammon. Gammon Hammer. Jesus Christ. Gammon Hammer. Yes. Tatty, um, Marvel Gamble Bamber was just telling us about. Excellent. <laughs> 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 was just talking to me about Bill uh, Pink Village. Make me an intimidation <laughs> check. Ryan. Oh my god. That was the best thing ever. Ooh, 14. 14. He stares at you for a while and he says, Gravel Bummer. What did you just call me? I said your name. Listen, son, I've got to go to Pale Bank Village to see why it's burnt down, but I tell you what, drinking contest. And he slams his mug on the table in front of him. I'm far too intimidated to uh, do anything, but also slam my mug down. He screams at the top of his voice. Scale boy here wants a drinking contest. So a drinking contest he'll have. As everyone in the bar raises up a cheer and you see the barman shakes his fucking head as if he sees this every fucking night. As you're ushered onto a seat on a small wooden plank table with Marvo Gammonhammer on the other side as five mugs of ale that you're pretty sure are 24% are laid in front of you. He looks at you and says, If you best me in a drinking contest, I'll give you my Warhammer. If you lose, well, I'll let you think about that. As he crushes the empty mug in one hand, the wood just shattering in one piece. Nobody insults Gammon Hammer. He's having problems with his own name. (laughs) He's having some problems with his own name. (laughs) He looks over at you and says... Shut it, blue eyes. My eyes are yellow. <laughs> <laughs> you can see slightly worse for wear. Um, right. As you see five foamy tanks of ale in front of you, Belsiar, you feel the press of dwarfs lining up behind you, pushing you in and jeering, knocking you every so often. As you both... He, he goes to push the first... Uh, mug at warm ale in front of you I need you and him to both make survival checks this is what it's finally come down to it's like a uni night out oh. I'm going to stealth into the Ooh. bar while all eyes are on these guys 22 22 fucking hell you got a 17 as you both drink deeply from your mugs of ale while staring directly at each other, psyching him out. He's actually quite surprised that you finish your first mug of ale without too much problem. He's starting to, to learn what the, the stomach of a children's party entertainer can do. <laughs> <laughs> As you both slam your mugs of ale down, somebody comes and takes it away, both lifting the mugs into the empty mugs into the air and cheering. As a fresh mug of warm 24% frothy ale is put in front of you. I need you to make me another survival check. Ooh, another... Hang on, what did I get? Survival. 20. Shit, he got a 13. So, again, you slowly drink your ale. You now have, like, a white honcho moustache from, like, the ale. As you see, he starts getting a little bit wavy. You can see the, like, Warhammer starting to, like, waver a little bit in his hand, but he's having none of it. Bravado you know, getting the better of him. He slams the mug of ale down. He's got it down the front of his chest now. As the the next mug of ale is lifted above both your heads as everyone cheers. Going in for the third round. 
I'm just like maybe, maybe another survival attack. Picking up my claws while I'm waiting for him. Uh, nineteen. What the fuck? I must be. I can't roll well in combat, but I can roll well in. <laughs> nice. Eighteen. Eighteen against nineteen. Boyd on. He's like, who the fuck do you think you are, coming into a dwarfen bar and besting me in a drinking fight? As he just nails it back. You see, he's, he's pretty queasy now. He's rocking like backwards and forwards. Uh, you're starting to feel it. You're taking it very well. Constitutionally, you seem to be storing all this ale in your legs. But uh, the third mug raised above you, a giant cheer goes up from the bar. Aristobulus is now standing on the bar, like leering it on, go, just shouting your name at the top of his Aristobulus voice. Is, Aristobulus is being the hype man. He's falling <laughs> into this situation. Tati is just like leaning on the bar, like watching what's happening. Um, right, another survival check for the fourth of the fifth mug of ale. I don't believe it. Twenty-one. Woof. Ah, shit. As you drink the fifth, <laughs> the fourth mug of ale, you and him—he he nails the fourth mug of ale, looking you dead in the eye with absolute conviction in his eyes as he looks at you, grip tightening on the mug of ale, and then his eyes just kind of go north, west, south, and east, and his face just slams down onto the table and the warhammer falls sideways a snore coming out of his face i uh is there is there still oh yeah no he, so he's finished his fall at first there's absolute quiet in the bar as everyone looks on everyone looks at each other kind of tentatively and then suddenly a massive roar erupts from the bar as everyone lifts you up uh you're like raised up by a miniature sea of dwarfs and somebody thrusts a giant warhammer into your hands. I, I hold it above my head and I say, Belsia, 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 Belsia. That's how classy I am. As the crowd start cheering, Belsia, Belsia, everyone goes fucking mental as you're like lofted onto the bar and handed a giant horn of ale. Can I take this moment while I'm distracted to do a bit of mind sweeping? And I like <laughs> drink, please. Absolutely. Make me a sleight of hand. I'm feeling confident about these rolls now. I mean, we, we can't go wrong. Can't go wrong, man. Can't go wrong. 14. I feel good about that. Yay. 14. You managed it as everyone's dancing around. You keep your mouth open, getting mouthfuls of thrown ale around the place, mind sweeping. As you go around, just dodging little mugs of ale, tapping up your pint until you've basically got a zombie pint full of random bits, fists, fourths, eights, tenths of other people's beer as you get yourself a free mug of beer. Fucking grim. As the party's going on, Maud, what are you doing? Uh, I am covered in beer at this point and getting quite grumpy about it. So I, I'm watching watching Belsiar being hosted, hoisted around like it's a Jewish wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, you've got some... Some of these dwarfs clapping and others dancing on the table, and I'm just watching. And I'm gently slipping, sipping my pina colada, just watching things happen. Llewellyn, the barman, leans in towards you and is like, it's not often we get a pina colada around here. Uh, I'd like to... He looks like a, a, a nice, calm sort of chap. Um, and it's been a long time since I've had a decent conversation with anyone. I would like to lean in and say, do you like pina coladas? Do you like it's them? worth remembering at this point that Llewellyn is a is an elf and not a dwarf. It's a, um, it is a kind of predominantly dwarf bar. He leans in and he's like, I don't mind a pina colada, but I don't get much. Call for them. I'm more of a strawberry woo-woo kind of man. Is he Scottish as well? Oh, yes. 
Everybody north of the border is fucking Scottish. If there's snow on the peaks of the mountains, they're fucking Scottish. All the bad people are from the West Country as well. It's just the rule of the Indy. Uh, yep, as you lean in and, and you're talking shit with the elven northern barkeep about pina coladas and strawberry woo-woos. Can I ask him if he knows where there is any... I'm going to ask, say that we need some supplies. Are there any decent shops nearby? Where does he get his supplies from? Um, you lean in and ask him as he's like, Ooh, you want to do a bit of late night shopping? Tesco's. What kind of stuff are you after? Uh, I'd like some. I'd like some new clothes. Um, I definitely need a new pair of kitten heels because my eagle-shaped feet are coming out of the side of these like self-fashioned shoes. Um, and I kind of like hold up one foot, and like my little tattered shoes are everywhere. He just stares at you with his jaw wide open. He's like. That was not the answer I was expecting, but we've got many stores in town. If you're looking for clothes, we've got a general store. It's run by Flight Shaft. Flight Shaft's general store. Further up the road on the left-hand side. I'd like to thank him and offer to buy him a strawberry wheelie. He looks at you and he's like, Well, I tell you what, are you free for a strawberry woo-woo later? You better sweet ass I am. It's like, I knock off about 2am. I, I survey the carnage around me and I make a safe assumption that these lads are going to be here till 2am. I say, why not? Excellent. Well, enjoy your shopping. We've got many amenities about. We've got Ooh. pet stores, tool stores, armourers, blacksmiths, ranged weapon stores. We've even got magic store. But if you're looking for Flight Shaft's general store, straight up the road, ten minutes on your left-hand side. Can't miss it. Giant sign dangling outside it. <laughs> you both do the slowest, most awkward high-five ever. This guy ever. such weird messages from you. So flat. <laughs> He's literally like, okay, I'll see you at 2 a.m., as he looks over, he's like, he looks over at the carnage in the bar. He's literally like, Grimwald, stop fucking dancing on the fucking fireplace, you bellend. As one of the dwarfs is literally like half on fire, dancing like in the hearth. <laughs> uh, right, so what are you doing? Well, most of all, what's Hanash doing? Because he's crouching at the top of stairs with a fucking. No, you can, no I came down on Mindsworks. I'm. Oh, of course! You came down with your handgun, mind swept in a in a police bar. Great, um, oh. excellent. So, what are you all doing? What would you like to do? I'd like to steal the hammer from Elsie. <laughs> Not really. I, I, I actually, yeah, no, really. <laughs> Made me a performance check. No, hang on. No, sorry. Uh, are you doing it? With consent or like so, by so force? Like, is he still kind of being like, way like kind of thrown up in the air? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's having a mini Mexican. So race. I want to like kind of get into that position and then kind of suddenly like oh, get get the get the hammer and like reach for the hammer and then like in an instant. Make me a sleight of hand check. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to hide in a Mexican like a little kind of. <laughs> People are half your size. You're tall by human standard. You're like three times the size of a dwarf. As you're like crouched down, trying to do like a little Mexican dance. 
<laughs> there is no, the there is no sleight of hand roll that will that will stop everyone in this. You're bright green, three times the size, yeah, yeah. and you've got a giant handgun. Well, that, I, mean, so, I mean that explains why I got a four, I guess. <laughs> the four, yeah. As yeah, I'm on my oh, knees. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. To quote Blackadder, like a giraffe wearing sunglasses and a polar bear only golf club, you're currently sticking out like a sore thumb. You you're trying your best, but everyone gets wind. As you go for it, the crowd starts turning on you. Not in an angry kind of we're gonna kill you kind of way, but you know, you're Belsiar is their new appointed hero. Uh, he's bested their leader You're ruining the in one on one drinking combat. As you go for the Warhammer, there's a big like. You can feel the tension changing in the bar. I just I look at, you know that's Belsiar's. I look at Hanash and I'm like, not cool, man, not cool. As I'm as I'm being hoisted away. <laughs> I go, sorry, so sorry, and then and then I just kind of crawl away like the little. Who I am. <laughs> you, uh, at this point, you see two other dwarfs pick up uh, Marvo Gammonhammer under his armpits and drag him out. He's snoring away, uh, a line of foam and vomit dragging on the straw floored in tap room underneath him. As he's, the front door opens, a blast of Arctic air, snow, and hail comes bursting in as he, they vanish out into the darkness. Ah. Uh... Um, is there any other glass blades that are involved in the what I can only describe as the Jewish wedding style lifting of, <laughs> lifting of the chair <laughs> when we put in context that I told you at the beginning they were about to be sent out on a mission seems really yeah, odd yeah. that they were absolutely tanked yeah yeah and I'm, I'm thinking more like on Star team. Wars, where like through CPO, CPO, that's yeah, the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's just what happens with the dice rolls, I'm afraid. Yeah. Oh, it's like the best bin. Can- it's like the cantina bar with the little like. Uh, excellent. Right, so that's all going on. Yeah, things that you know, the vibe is starting to drop a little bit. Aristobulus is still dancing on the bar. The rest of the vibe starting to come down a little bit as their their leader's been dragged off. Uh, people are just milling around. There's a few sensible glass blades. You realise at this point they're called glass blades uh, because they each have a ferocious looking kind of serrated uh, knife. Can I um, take a glass? Can I? Um... Can I see the one who I bought a drink for? Yes. Okay. Um, can I go over and get his attention and just kind of, I don't know, make light of the fact that the that his boss just lost a drinking contest to a dragonborn? Just just say, I'll just say like, oh, I bet you weren't expecting that to happen. Uh, yep. So... As you go across, you see him again. He's, he's, you can't tell. At this point, you have no idea how many uh, drinks he's had. As he looks at you, nods. Uh, he's got like a filthy ginger beard. You can't tell whether it was once kind of blonde and it's gone filthy through nicotine abuse and ale stains. Uh, he's got like a small cracked porcelain pipe that he's huffing away on with acrid kind of rings of smoke coming out of it. As he's like, back for more drink. I'm, I mean, I will be soon. Don't worry about that. I'll uh, I'll pick you up another one. 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take out the um, the map that we have um, that mm. shows the um, the X near the uh, was it near the Ivory Lake? Just yeah. above uh, above the Ivory Lake, and it's in the Flockhead Alps as well. Yeah, off to the left hand side of Utherden. So I'm gonna um, if we if there's like a flat table in front of us, or just like the like the raised bar area, I'm just gonna like flatten it out in front of him and. Um, I'm going to say, I um, I guess you guys do a lot of ranging and hunting around these parts. Um, there's a there's somewhere near here that I need to know a little bit more about, if you guys have scoped it out already. Uh, you find the only dry spot on the cracked wooden bar that you can. Mostly it's full of puddles of spilt ale. As you find a little dry spot and pull out your parchment map, roll it out... He squints at it through blurry eyes as he looks at it and says, Your assumption is right. The glass blades traverse the full scale of the Alps. We protect not only the villages, but the travellers from beasts, from scavengers. I guess I'll... Um... We've travelled one side of his Alps to the other. As he picks up your map and he squints at the area, he's like, what do you want to know? Um, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll point out where the... I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll indicate where the X is on the map, and I'll kind of point out how we got how we got close to it on the route into Utherdurn, so he knows like exactly how far away it is. Obviously, show where the Ivory Lake is and where the where the Alps are, and I'll just say, do you know, have you have you scoped out this location before? Is there anything is there anything in that area? There is. Hey, how did you come across this map? Uh, we found it in uh, in some ruins down in the down in the Savalier Wood. Ah. Well, that there is an abandoned village. There have been many attempts to colonize various areas around the Rhine Plains, around the Flockett Alps. That there, I think, is a ruined village. But now it's overrun by Yetis. Can I stumble in at this point a little bit less aware and I'll just say, I'm not saying the Yetis, but what I am saying, we can't let them have the village. So we, we're going to get you and the glass blades and we're going to get those Yetis. He looks at you for a while and goes, well, I'm not a man to give orders. I just hit things. They tell me who to hit and I fucking hit them. And in return, they give me a coin and sometimes they give me ale. But if I had to use my unique set of skills, I'd probably turn it to the humanitarian crisis in Pearbank Village rather than picking a fight with a hairy fucking yeti in a village that no one lives in. Although I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't things in that village. It was abandoned. Sometimes adventurers go that way looking for treasure and magic items. But I personally wouldn't pick a fight with a pack of yetis. Six ales in. I think I I poke him in the chest. What Tati (laughs) wants to say is we're going to fuck that shit up. We're going to go to Pelbank Village and we're going to fucking adventure the shit out of that place. Make me a persuasion. Are you trying to persuade him or intimidate him? I don't think he knows. I don't think there's any... Intimosuade him. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, say, you I'll say persuade. Intimidation or your persuasion, your choice. I'd say it's more a, a plus two than a plus four. Um, Twelve. Twelve, he looks at you and is like, you've got a spunk, Scaly. I like you. I tell you what, we're heading out that way anyway. We've got to go roughly in that direction if you want us to take you there. 
I'll be more than happy to send you to your death at a pack of yetis. Do you know what? When you're dead, we'll go back and we'll pick up the fucking warhammer from your cold dead hands. For yes, if you really want to lose your life fighting a pack of yetis, I'd be more than happy to show you the way. I um, as he's as he's talking, I'm just I'm marking on the map where the X is, like that. It's I'm just gonna like crudely draw like what looks like a shitty little hut on it with like the cross in the middle of it and write like a- abandoned village yetis. Oh, draw some stick man yetis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, draw like a stick man yeti with like a, with like a massive <laughs> stick in his hands or something. I don't know. Um, and I'm I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna say to the glass blade. Um, yeah, uh, Ice Knife here is is talking a big game, but uh, we're probably going to want to go Pale Bank Village first. We'll probably do this on the way back. He looks at you he's like, you threatened me with an ice knife. We're in the middle of the fucking Arctic. I butter my fucking toast with an ice knife, <laughs> you little prick. I'm not that, I'm not threatening you. I'm just telling you what, what we call this guy. I'm pointing at, pointing at Belgium. He looks at you he's like, oh, I do apologize. Sorry, <laughs> I wasn't raised with any manners. Uh, listen, you want to come to fucking Pale Bank Village and look at the fucking ashes and the wreck of it? Then yes, by all means. We're not setting off till the morning. So I'll tell you what, you come back here. 11 a.m. I'll meet you here. You come with us if you want. Sounds good. We've got some. Um, we've got some shopping to do first. Fuck me! You're a fucking enigma, little man. <laughs> You've got some shopping to do. Okay, I'll see you here. 11 a.m. As he downs his ale, waves at Llewellyn, the barman, jumps off the improbably high bar stool that he's on scuttles off, waddling as though he shit himself, to the door, opens the door once more, the howling snow and hail comes blasting in as the door slams behind, the flames on the fire stop flickering. As you're left in a relatively normal bar area now. The mess we caused has now died down a little bit. Mm. Aristobulus is now like four cocktails in, just like slow dancing. He's slow dancing with himself <laughs> in a mirror. He's a bit like, uh, do you know on the dashboard of cars you get that little hula, plastic <laughs> hula woman. He's just like slow dancing on the end of the car like a fucking hula. Um, playing his shovel like a banjo. Um, right, what are you guys doing? It's about nine thirty now in the evening. I um, I guess I'd like to I'd like to go find some shops. Can we just establish that the shops are shops, open at nine thirty? Shops later. Shots at two a.m. Pal. Well, they may do, but so <laughs> practical. So practical in a maybe <laughs> fantasy land because nobody gets paid overtime. It's something we can discuss with the shopkeepers if the shops are open. So if they're closed, and fuck it, we'll just break in. <laughs> so, how do you want to play this out? Um, I mean, I guess I'll I'll go ask the bartender what the shop situation is like around here. Uh, he again, he, I think uh, Maud's already had this conversation with him, but he reiterates. He's like, he tells you there's various stores around. There's a general store. There's an animal store. There's a tool store, an armorer's, a blacksmith's, a ranged weapon store, and a kind of magical special store. Can we ask him, um, and are these open now? We go now. He looks at you and laughs. As he gets out, he's got like a uh, cloth over one shoulder as he kind of like flicks it off and starts like polishing bottles behind the bar. He's like, no, nothing's fucking open except places that sell drink and sexual favours at this time, I'm afraid. Sexual favours, please, por favor. (laughs) Right, 
if you're looking for that, you'll want to go to the fancy floozy at the end of the street. Fancy floozy. I am proficient in note-taking, <laughs> nothing else. Uh, and with that, he's like, other than that, you could stay here and have a drink or you are free to sleep. But the stores won't open till maybe 8 a.m. Okay. I guess I'll 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 get Ponash and uh, Belsia, Aristobulus and Maud and let them know what our rough plan is. Get up early tomorrow, go shopping, get supplies, meet back here at eleven AM to go with the go with the glass blades. I mean it doesn't really matter if we're a little bit late. We know roughly what direction they're going in. So As you as you share your plan the door bursts open at the end of the bar, the cold rush of winter air coming in as silhouetted in the frame of the door is a giant turtle. As Simig waddles in, like, very late, his face just illuminated with the giant stogie that he's smoking as he's like, well, look here, what are you boys doing? <laughs> Hi, Simig. Ha! <laughs> How are you doing? We're good, man. We've we've been getting our drink on. Where have you been? I've been sleeping. I fucking sleep. I smoke, and I make little hatchlings. That's <laughs> all I do. Uh, we've uh, we've got we've got plans for uh, for heading out again tomorrow morning. Are you uh, are you up for a, a trip to the Pale Bank Village, or do you want to stay here? I don't think that my carriage will go across those mountains. If you want to go deep into those mountains, you're going to have to go across the fucking mountains. As he's, he's, he's clearly been drinking. His accent's all over the shop. As he's, he's been heavily drinking, clearly. You can see he's got a little hip flask of some sort of flammable fluid. As he's like, I think I'll just stay here. As he fucking like sits at the bar and just orders a mug of ale. I, um, I just say, I, I just want, I'll, put, I'll pat him on the shoulder and I'll say thanks for... Um, Thanks for getting us here. Uh, look after yourself. Look after the car. Look after the horses. And look after yourself. He's like, shall I meet you back here? We'll meet you at the fancy floozy. He slow turns around to Hanash. His eye cocks up at an angle as he's like, you know about the fancy floozy? I know it exists. Tell me more. <laughs> as he's like, he looks at you with like a twinkle in his eye. And he's like, if you fancy a trip to the fancy fancy, I'm more than happy to go there. Uh, right, you need to make a decision at this point. What do you guys want to do? Do some of you want to have a long rest before your shopping debacles? Or who's going with Hanash to the fancy fluzy? <laughs> I'm going to stick around in the in the bar and have a, have a couple more drinks, I think. Uh, Okay. I'm not going to head to the fancy floozy. Belsia, what are you doing? having a little nap under the under a table. Belsia, just holding As you look over, you see Belsia and Lady are entwined with each other. Lady's been going around mind sweeping, drinking out of all the half empty tankards. Uh, so she's actually, she's just next to a little puddle off. of her own wolf vomit. As um, <laughs> what's more, she's, doing? On for, she's on for a promise. Jesus Christ, has everyone got some sort of like sexual endeavour going on? Right, right. So as you all look over, you see Aristobulus just like dancing away and then he just slowly falls off, cracks his head on the bar and just passes out. <laughs> uh, Ilciar's curled up by the fireplace with the wolf. 
Hanash and Simic go out into the cold night air in search of the <laughs> fancy floozy, and that just leaves Maud and Llewellyn at the bar. As things start quieting down, as other denizens leave the bar, all you can hear is the snore of the dragonborn, the occasional belch from the wolf, and uh, a small groaning noise coming from Aristobulus as a line of dribble comes out of his mouth and slides off the side of the bar as he snores away. I'm going to be really upset if this place is not an all-day all-you-can-eat breakfast buffet. Um, have you seen Police Academy? A long time ago. Oh, there's a Blue Oyster bar in that. That's how I imagine. You can Google it after this. Um, right, Maud, what are you doing? As Wallen finally finishes polishing all of his bottles, slings his... Um, towel over one shoulder and comes back to where you are at the bar pushing over one of the most extravagant looking dwarf cocktails you've ever seen in your life it's got a small plastic axe floating in it I look around the bar thank you for the drink, look around the bar and suddenly realise there's a jukebox at the back of the bar (laughs) you mean there's there's a bar a person who plays music (laughs) I think we should go as you look over in the corner of the bar, you see a small box with various buttons on it. <laughs> As you investigate it, you see different musical types on the buttons. As you press it, you hear a screaming noise as a small voice from inside starts singing soul music out of the box. As you look round the side of the box and open a small door, you see a tiny goblin chained up that's just being whipped as it sings by the machine. Uh, I poke the goblin with one little claw, poke it in the belly, and I... As you hear its voice, it's, it, this little voice is like, I'm the whore who had your bitch! <laughs> as you like, hear a little whipping noise as the as the goblin goes out of key as you poke him. Uh, and I snarl... Give me one! I snarl, sing, do you like pina coladas? Or I'll pull your toenails off. Make me an intimidation check with advantage. How do I do advantage? Twice and then pick my... Highest value. Front row. 23 for the first one. 19 for the second. The 23, please. Ah, oh, dear God. Um, as you look down at the goblin, it looks up at you. You can see it's tired. It's chained to the side of a wooden box. It's not in a good mood as it just bitterly looks up at you and says, If you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, if you're not into yoga, if you've got half a brain, if you're making love at midnight in the dunes of the Cape, then I'm the love that you'd look for to run to me and escape. As it goes on, you just shut the door and go back to Llewellyn, who's just staring like wide-eyed at you. Not many people abuse a goblin. I hear he's really, really good at placebo. I see. He's more into speed garage. He's a techno goblin, but I think he probably can turn his hand to placebo. Right, anyway, enough of fucking trolling the DM. What is it that you wanted? I would like to find out from him, aside from the local shops, what there is of interest. 
So what are the goblins here? Sorry, what are the dwarves here for? Because he will know. Mm-hmm. What are the goblins... Yep. Sorry, what are the dwarves here for? Um, okay. So at first he generally thought this was a hookup. Then after seeing you assault a goblin jukebox, uh, he realised you probably weren't. Then as you exchange drinks... Uh, he starts giving you a potted history of Uthodern. He tells you that um, there was a dwarven city here for a very long time, uh, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And then the elves who lived in the city of Melasmir were all expelled when the Savalier wood and its surroundings were corrupted and all of the elves exiled. And they scattered around the place, but a large proportion of the elves came and took refuge here in Uthodern. So now the city of Uthodern is predominantly dwarf with a weird pocket enclave of elves who have managed to... Ha- they've got a co-monarchy. So there is a dwarf queen and an elf king who rule in harmony and have a small council. And the city is made up of varying stacks and layers, with the aristocracy and the academia being on the higher layers and the sort of everyday um, commerce and stuff being on the lower layers, Um, and the king and queen being on the top layer. Uh, He points out various things, municipal gardens. By, By municipal gardens, not a great deal grows up here. They're more like stone statues and stuff, and also points out... Uh, of interest, there's a fairly famous um, library um, in the city, which is called uh, the Vellum Steeple. And that is on a layer of the city called the Deliberation Disc, as the, le- the sort of spirals up the mountain. So it's on a layer called, there's a, there's a, there's a library called the Vellum Steeple which is renowned for its academia and history books. Thank you very much. And I give him a wink and then head up to bed. (laughs) As you head up to bed, do you see the sadness in his eyes as you turn to look back? He's still there. As he slowly walks up to the jukebox, gives it a kick, presses a button, as you hear like a techno, 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 (laughs) goblin music coming out of it. Uh, as you all get the rest of you give yourself a long rest Hanash very quickly you make your way into um, the fancy floozy bar Um, as you go in you see that this is some sort of debauched place Uh, this is like (laughs) one of those uh, like all of your fantasies become dreams and some of your dreams become fantasies kind of place uh, what exactly is it you're after? I don't know. I'd like to browse their wares. As you browse your wares, you see like a whole array of things. Dwarven women, dwarven men, sheep, like everything in between. Uh, if you've got money and you want it, you can probably get it here. Uh, Tortle, the Tortle Simig gives you a pat on the back and is like, don't wait up for me! As he basically goes up to the madame and is like, I'll have myself the regular. She looks at him and is like, oh, dear God. She's like clearly not impressed. As she rings a bell and uh, the biggest looking rock troll in French lace you've ever seen comes downstairs <laughs> and takes Simig off. Um, what are you looking for? No, I was just always curious about the place. Um, I, I kind of ask what was good. I ask if they've got like a bath and some custard and stuff, and, and see what happens. <laughs> 
she's literally like uh, they've got a thing called fruit salad where you get a little bit of everything. It's like a taster menu. Yeah, sign me up. She's like, that's 20 gold pieces. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So for the sake of storyline, make me a survival check. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I've got the rock trough first. Uh, eight. <laughs> eight. So, over the course of the next few hours, you pretty much go on some sort of depraved sexual smorgasbord where it's a bit like um, erotic tapas, where you literally just you go around all the corners of the no, world. No, no. You, in the morning, you, you come back to the bar, creaking in. You see the barman still asleep as Aristobulus like, half wakes up, lifts his head off the bar. You've got like blood dripping out of your nose. Bike is slightly bent in your head as you come back. Uh, you take three points of damage, but you get um, inspiration. Awesome. You're on top of the world. Uh, you're walking with a bit of a limp. You've taken three points of damage uh, that you won't get back in this long rest because you've stayed out schlepping everything. And I will leave the stories up to you to tell one day. <laughs> wow. And on that note, we're going to have a drinks break because we're about halfway through. Okay, picking back up where we left off. The partying group, some of which had gone to bed early and got themselves a long rest, and some of them had been out with a fancy floozy and played sexual whack-a-mole. And that's a thing, apparently. Uh, as you all rise in the morning, some of you in better states than others, uh, you come down into the bar area early in the morning to the fresh smell of sausage. <laughs> I mean that in a, in, a, in a gastronomic sense, not in a sort of gym-changing room. <laughs> Smell. <laughs> Not in the sort of Hanash has got pheromones wafting off him. I've gained some sense. Yeah. <laughs> As Hanash comes downstairs, all of Lady's fur just goes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, easy girl, easy. <laughs> uh, As you come down, yeah, you see. Uh, Llewellyn somehow is still, for the sake of boring narrative, still there. Maybe he doesn't sleep. Who knows? as uh, there's various denizens eating uh, hot, fresh, buttered bread, sausage, and naturally ale, because alcoholism is life. I um, I take a piece, an item, a different item of food off each individual's plate and make myself a little breakfast out of everyone else's breakfast. Well, how about breakfast? Oh, you guys eat breakfast. Make- I thought there were other patients eating breakfast. Oh, yeah, there probably are, yeah, yeah. I'd like to eat. There are. Are you are you mind sweeping people's breakfast? Yeah, but I'm doing it with such confidence that no one's going to say anything. They're like, "Yeah, this guy." Make me an intimidation check. Sure. You like the bully at school? Don't <laughs> <laughs> stole my lunch. Stole one small part of your lunch. Uh, Nineteen. <laughs> 19. As uh, you just roll around, a sausage here, a ration of bacon there, a trancher of warm bread there, half a swig of ale somewhere else. As the dentist, as the, the, the proprietors of the pub look fairly affronted, everyone's a little bit disgruntled. One guy just stands up and is like, Well, I'm going to give you a one star review, looking at Llewellyn and just fucks <laughs> off. Llewellyn leans over the bar, he's like, would you mind stop fucking about? A man's got to make commerce. If you want breakfast, just ask your great gaffoon. 
it's fucking included with the price. Can I can I just uh, stick my hand up and say, can I get a can I get a can I get a portion over here, please? Thank you, Llewellyn. And a bit like a Chinese takeaway, before you can even finish the sentence, a fucking fresh hot portion comes from under the bar. <laughs> no, you're gonna say under the table now. <laughs> Improbably fast, uh, a, a portion of breakfast appears at you at a standard crack table in front of the fire, which is now relit. I um, I just go thanks, and I I just dig in. As you dig in, Aristobulus peels himself off the end of the bar, slightly bruised side of his face as he's like, "I take it last night went well." Sniffs Hanash, he's like, oh, it went well, didn't it? <laughs> it went well and not well at the same time. <laughs> wow. All the best, my friend. All the best. As he uh, just starts eating, like, food off the floor of things Hanash has dropped. That's mind sweeping. Uh, right, what are your plans? Maybe I should go to a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at some point you are going to some kind of checkup. At this point, it's hard to know like which of your symptoms are caused by rampant STDs and what's caused by you eating the warp stone. And there's still an existence. I don't know. Maybe my warp stone will protect me from such. I don't know. It's kind of like fighting weaponized diseases with weaponized diseases. Uh, as you say this, as you're having this conversation, Llewellyn brings a. Um, plate of hot breakfast over to Hanash and hands you a pot of natural yoghurt on the side, winking at you. I look at him all awkward and like, kind of not sure what he's trying to do here, and I say <laughs> I think now that he's realised that Maud is, is, is not on the cards for him, I think he's he's playing the field. Well then, well then mm. like, I imagine like, natural yoghurt. I imagine Tati kind of says to me, like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> As he looks at you, he's like, it's for dipping your sausage in, your great gula. I'll bet it. Um, <laughs> all right. Right, as he as he skitters off behind the bar polishing shit because there's nothing else for an NPC to do in a bar than polish things. Um, right, what's the party doing? Assuming you're watered and fed, you've got your shit together, you've paid up already. Have we, have we put on our winter clothes yet? I put on my, on my winter clothes. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did that while we were on the yeah, way. Yeah. I, I don't know if my, I did it, but I, I winter clothes on we made a um, point of saying it because AJ was was saying that we definitely didn't have winter clothes anymore, but we definitely did. We definitely did. You got you got winter clothes off the coach. As you're all gearing up with the winter clothes that you took off the coach, the front door bursts open and the form of Simig, still with a cigar, slightly bent at an angle, comes through as he waltzes in from an evening at the fancy floozy. As he walks in, he's like, Listen, boys, I'll be seeing you later. At this point, you notice he's slightly bleeding out the back of his shell, but he seems to have a uh, big smile on his face. I give him like a customary, like like a hand specialized handshake that we developed over the evening as we cross paths. Across you are good. I would not be going near anything that he held out for me. I bet. I bet his handshake is like legit sexual. I bet <laughs> it's. I bet it's. It's all tits, teeth, and dicks. No. I'm saying- I bet it's I bet it stinks of fish and it's sticky. Yeah, exactly. As he's having this weird mating ritual with, with Simic, I'm gonna 
I'm going to just say, well, I'd, I'd like to hit up the general store, the tool store, uh, the magic one, and the ranged weapons shop if we've got time. Okay, right. For the sake of keeping it all together, right, uh, you can go in any order you want. I really don't mind. But if you all want to, otherwise we'll run out of time. If you want to pick a store and go, you can go in any order you want. Can I take my um, um, box of mysterious scientific equipment to finally taste that? As you're all sitting there munching your breakfast, singing Christmas carols, uh, Llewellyn's like, if you wouldn't mind fucking off, uh, the next shift of alcoholics is coming in. Um, and with that, you see Simig shake hands with Hanash, and he's like, I've quite frankly never seen a man do that to an owlbear before. As he's like, I'll be seeing ya! As he fucking just like legs it up the <laughs> stairs because he can't get his accent together. Right. <laughs> um, Simig scuttles off up the stairs, leaving the rest of you to go shopping in any order you Yay. wish. But for the sake of time, let's keep you all together in the different shops. Which one do you want to go to first? I guess let's go to the general store first. Uh, making your way out to the inn, you open the door. It's always fucking snowing in Uthadern. It's like Lapland. Uh, 400 feet up the side of a mountain, it's always fucking cold. As you make your way out in your fur coats, which you are very grateful for, you stomp your way up the street with compacted snow on the cobbles. Uh, taking the directions of Llewellyn, the barman, you find Flight Shaft's general store further up the road on the left-hand side. Before we go in, I'd like to make a snowball and throw it at Tati, please. Absolutely. Uh, Tati made me a perception check, and Hanash made me a prof- uh, an athletics check. Sure. I'd probably make it, like, the size of his head. <laughs> Something reasonable. Just like the size of my fucking head. 22. I got a 12, so I don't see that shit coming. Splat into the back of your head, your face smashing into the cobbles you hear a giggle as you look over and a small dwarf orphan is like, ha-ha, that's the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen! Because even a ten-year-old dwarf child still smokes, still <laughs> sounds like he smokes 40 a day. Uh, picking yourself off the cobbles, you stagger forwards towards Flight Shaft's general store. Um, at this point, can you all make me a perception check? Every last one of why don't I like make a good roll on you? Yeah. I got the same I got the same thing again, I got twelve. I got a cease. I got twenty-two. I got oh, nineteen. Nineteen. So more whilst those two are dicking about with snowballs that <laughs> are around the place, uh Belsiar and Maud, you both stop in your tracks as you both simultaneously notice the same thing. Further down the street, stalking between two shops, heading off round the corner, is a very familiar figure dressed all in black with dark hair. <gasps> as you notice the form of Oberon, Theolian's brother, scuttering further into the city, looking like he's on a mission with a small entourage of elves stomping with him. They've gone round the corner now. I, I, my heckles go up again and I start low growling. I instinctively put on my hat disguise and turn into a nondescript businessman. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm noticing this. Hanash and Tati, you both stand up from your japery with snowballs, turn around and just see a mild-mannered man in a pinstripe suit holding a leather briefcase. 
with a bowler hat on? I instantly recognize it as the international sign for danger. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get him and say, good day, sir, and what are your words? <laughs> well, hello there, gentlemen. It's me, Belsia. Right, as the bunch of you head up the road with the pinstriped businessman in tow, you make it to the door of a general store. Pretty much standard stone affair with tiled roof, strong wooden oak door, and a hanging sign in front of it that says Flight Shafts General Store. Pushing your way in, you see rows upon rows and shelves of all sorts of different odds and sods. Um... Everything a little adventurer could fancy in a general capacity. As you hear a squawk from behind the bar, look over and you see a slightly bedraggled-looking Kenku behind the counter. What's a Kenku? Which is, a Kenku is a half-man, half-bird. Looks a little bit like a sort of human jackdaw. And now that you notice it, the shop does smell somewhat of bird shit and there are feathers all over the floor. We're in the nest now. Uh, I'm going to just stroll up to the counter and say, uh, good morning. The bird just looks at you, cocks its head to one side and is like, morning. This is going to be so fun. Um, I, uh, I say, uh, I'm, uh, I'm interested in, in offloading a few items. Uh, you want to let me know uh, how much you could give me for them? Offloading items. And just kind of like... <sighs> <laughs> uh, kind of cocks his head on one side, lifts a sort of wing up, and just motions to the table. There's there the the kind of counter. There's a like, what you got? I um, I pick up my uh, I take my backpack off and I take out the sapphire, put it down on the put it down on the counter. So how much can you give me for this? The bird's eyes go wide. Give you for this? <laughs> As it just like fucking just looks at you like wide eyed. And, and just, like, start shaking its beak frantically, feathers falling out, as this bird realises this is hot property and just starts wafting the sapphire off the desk with its wing. <laughs> no? You, you, don't, you don't want it? I don't want it! All right, OK, OK. I'm going to... I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the. Um, I'm not gonna put it down on the counter, but I'm gonna take the ruby out as well and just hold it and just. Just looks at you. He's like, Ruby, don't want it. <laughs> okay, put that away as well. Uh, I, um, I take out the uh, copper chalice. Put that down. Looks at you and just says, "Fuck me, this is going to be interesting." As <laughs> uh, it just sweeps the copper chalice off the table and just brings out. Um, ten silver pieces. That'll do for me. Um, uh, I'm going to put... I mean, I might as well just put all the weapons that I'm going to sell on the counter. I'll take out the two hand axes, the javelin, and the short bow. You put them on the table, and he just like, shakes his head, feathers going in all directions. He's like, fuck me, this is going to be interesting. As he just like, <laughs> starts shaking his head frantically, just like making the international wing sign for, like, no deal. Okay, I'll take them back. Uh, I'm going to take out the uh, the two gold lockets that I've got as well and see if he wants those. His little beady eyes fucking light up at the sign of the gold lockets as he's like, lock it, lock it, lock it, lock it, lock it, lock it, lock it. As he just basically sweeps them off. He's got like a little nest thing for the shiny things on a shelf behind the counter as he sweeps the lockets in and pushes uh, two gold. 
over the counter at you. Why is everyone so into techno around there? <laughs> <laughs> I go, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Before he like puts them in the nest and I like look at what's there, I go, whoa, five. Whoa, 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 whoa. As he slides like one extra gold coin across oh, to make right, it. Craig David. I just, I just nod. He nods at you with his beady eye. Lock it, lock nice. it, lock it, lock it. Lock it, lock it, lock it. Ruby, 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 lock it. Lock it. I am, um, I'm going to, as I, as I take the money as well, I'm, I'm going to, um, point over at the, point over at the, um, at the locket that had like the goblin portrait inside it. Dwarf. I'm going to, I'm going to like tell him to, to open it up to look at what's inside. Uh, he just opens it up. He's like, interesting. And just slams it and puts it back in there. Nice. Anyone else need anything from here? Side note, right. that was an entire fucking narrative story you just flogged for pennies because you couldn't oh. to pursue it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Good. Um, oh, actually, um, I want to see if he's got any thieves tools as well. Uh, he looks at you and he's like, uh, you ask him about thieves tools and he just looks at you and is like, Lumplicker! And like points like next door. Is that the tool store? Lumplicker! As he fucking points yeah. next door. Yeah, sound, sounds about right. Well, um, I don't really know much about the quest that we're going on. What, what we're going to do, where we're going, why, why, why are we going there? Well, we were going up to the. We were going to go up to Pellbank Village to deliver a message, but we've heard that it's been burnt down. Oh, is, is that our original quest message? Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 cool, cool. We're att- we're attempting to get on track. On track. Fuck. Okay. For one day, we're getting on track. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I asked um, the grocery store manager. I'm like, what What do you recommend? What's What's good? With his incredible limited record. With his incredibly limited repertoire, he looks you dead in the eye across his beak, leans behind him, and it's like, lock it! And just like holds the three lockets back out towards you to sell them to you. I, I say, bye. Uh, looking around inside this general store, you see pretty much everything a growing adventurer could want. Backpacks, barrels, baskets, bedrolls, bells, blankets, blocks, bottles, buckets, caltrops, candles, canvases, map cases, chains, chalk, chests, crowbars, firewood, fish hooks, fish nets, flasks, flints, grappling hooks, hammers, bottles of ink, jugs, ladders, there's even a fucking ladder, lamps, lanterns, locks, manacles, mirrors, mugs, oils, paper, parchment, picks, pitches, poles, pitons, pots, pouches, rams, rations. Rams? 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 Yeah, it's apparently a portable ram. It's a fucking portable ram. Unclear at this point whether that's the animal or a normal (laughs) piece of seed. There's a pygmy ram. There's rations, ropes, slack, sealing wax, sea-wing needles, Sewing needles, not sea wing. I see. Sea wing, yeah. um, <laughs> signal whistles, signet rings, spy glasses, tents, water skins, and a whetstone. Oh, wetstone. Really fucking hope I don't have to do this with every single store. How else are we no, going to know what's in every single store? If you want. So, if I. As a D&D question, if I get a water stone, can I, like, improve my sword? I mean, a whetstone. Or a whetstone, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I would say depending on what your skill set is, uh, you could spend some time. Yeah, if you want to go on a, you know, if you want to take some time out in the middle of a narrative to buy a whetstone and take a ship blade, yes, I will allow you to sharpen it, etc. Yes. But like, if I do that to like one of my null blades, will it just not do anything? It's only if I find like a rusty blade that I'll use it. I would say it's a possibility. Yes, you'd have to you, depending on what kind of training you have. But yes, the right person with the right tools could do that. Yes, you're not going to get any magical uh, ability out of it, but you might make it plus one. How, how much is the whetstone? Uh, he looks at you and makes the international um, sign for uh, three silver pieces. Sorry, three yeah. copper pieces. A whetstone is basically worthless. Sorry, oh, three yeah. copper pieces. Well. Yeah, I, I drop three copper pieces. He hands you over a brand new whetstone. Woo! That's 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 all for me, boys. Um, anyone else need anything from Flyshaft's general store? I need some shoes. Uh, he lifts various degrees of shoes over the top of the counter he's got behind. He's got everything from cold weather boots all the way to sandals, Crocs, and everything in between. I spot some leopard print um, Crocs and decide that these are the way forward. So they do have a slight heel, like a wedge. I'm into it. You've got kitten heel leopard skin Crocs. No, I've got wedge heeled leopard skin Crocs. Absolutely. I'm so glad I went to cobbling school. Uh, yep. For that particular thing, he's going to charge you five silver pieces as their, their couture. And I look at Tatty because I don't have any money. And I stick my bottom lick out, lick out with all of my fangs. Yeah, that's cool. I'll give you, I'll give you five and then, silver. And then I continue looking at Tatty and just slowly motion sadly towards the pygmy ram that stood behind the stick behind the counter. I um I gesture up to it as well and I look at the, the shopkeeper and I say, How much for the how much for the baby ram? He looks down at the baby ram and goes, Pet, car, pet uh, as he's like trying to clearly tell you that the ram is his, but then being that he's a proper fucking salesman, he looks down at the ram, the ram looks up at him with big eyes, as they've clearly got history. As he looks down at the ram, weighs up its relative value, looks at you and is like, Hundred silver? Can't take a pair. Can we hit him in the back of the head with the shoes and take the ram? I mean, at this point, did I tell you you could talk to the fucking ram if I you really could, wanted? I could, but I don't want to convince somebody's pet to come with us. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I'm just gonna look down at the ram. And the, the ram's got pleading eyes. Oh, it wants to come with us. That's that's different. Can I? Can, do I get that sense from the from the ram? I'm quite happy to make an animal handling roll for this. Go on, then make me an animal handling roll. <laughs> Nine. Nine. You're getting a general sense of, like, ill ease from the ram. Um, It's not the happiest ram. Oh, I'm going to hit him in the back of the head with the shoes and then take the ram. I've still got business with this. this (laughs) As you look round, Maud, you see a queue of people behind you, which has got a (laughs) elf and (laughs) dragon ball friend. You're going to raise your fist against... The Kenku that just like starts moving backwards. Uh, I say, I'm just going to say we might come back for the ram. We'll, we've got to come we back this way shoes. anyway. We'll think That's about it. The Kenku just looks at you and is like, "Yay!" Uh, and moves you off to the next person. Uh, right, uh, Bill, what are you doing? 
Uh, I go up to him and I say, now look here, good sir, what I want is quite simple. And I plop my child skull and chihuahua skull mm. down on the counter. And I say, I want the apertures of these skulls filled with resin and I want a gold inlay around the edge so I may use them as a drinking vessel. Um, interesting. He looks at you for a while and then points to um, one side he points to like out the window towards another shop and is like Merkinfoot Merkinfoot thank Merkinfoot. you I pick up my skulls right as you all finish your business there where are you going next you've still got an animal store a tool store an armourer a blacksmith ranged weapons and some sort of special store I would like to go to the tool store but I just need some thieves tools so if you guys want to go somewhere else that, that works for me uh, going into the tool store you see an emporium of all kind of tools of the trade as you see a brow-beaten, old-looking man uh, leaning against the counter as you ask him for thieves' tools. He's like, Welcome to Eadwolf Lumpliquer's tool store. What can I... You want You want thieves' tools? All right. I could do that for you. Uh, he roots around under the counter for a while, pulls out a set of thieves' tools, uh, and he's like... That's 30 gold pieces. That made us expensive. I mean, this is fucking tools for a criminal enterprise. This isn't fucking chopsticks, lady. Call it it 25. Name me a persuasion, Jack. Yes, sir. Surely they wouldn't sell them as thieves tools. They'd sell them as security apparatus. (laughs) Eight. Hey, he looks at you for 28 gold. Yeah, okay. I hand it over and I take the tools. Uh, he slides the tools over to you. You give them a check over. They've got everything a growing thief needs. Anyone else want to buy anything from the store? There's pretty much any kind of tools. Um, all the kind of things you see, holy symbols, climbers, kit, artisan tools, alchemist stuff, holy symbols, musical instruments. Uh, oh, can I, get, uh, can I um, ask how much uh, Tinker's tools are? Yep. Uh, Tinker's tools are coming in at... Uh, eight gold. I'll take those. Uh, he pushes a brand new set of Tinker's tools. They come with a free leather-bound holder. As he pushes them out. Can we try to sell... Has Aristobulus got a lute or a flute? As you go to suggest... If you do that, Aristobulus is going to fucking kill you. Well, he doesn't have to know about it. We just have to... <laughs> <laughs> you can just sell all of his shit. Um... Right, yep, so you're done with the tool store. Where do you want to go next? Um, I guess uh, blacksmiths. I need to sell a few things. You'd like to you'd like to see if you can get a new weapon. Through the worst. Have you still got the Warhammer, by the way, Felsia? Uh Yeah, I assume I, I fell asleep with it. I I'll add it. Add it to my inventory. Uh, you need to add it to your inventory. Uh, as you go into the blacksmiths, you see a diminutive little young dwarf covered in soot who's pumping away at some bellows as he's like, oh, welcome. Yeah, my name's uh, Cramnus Merkinfoot. Ah, Merkinfoot. As you see him tapping away at some intricate inlaid armour. 
uh, I just say I've got I've got a couple of things that I need to I need to get off my hands. Um, you want you want to let me know how much you'll give me for them? He looks at you, he's like they better, they better not be fence goods. I, look, I don't want I don't want I don't want I don't want to sell fence goods. I'm not interested in buying them. It's all right, man. Like they're not stolen. Did you buy them we off just... that fucking Kenku over there? He's a fucking criminal. <laughs> no, wow. uh, I don't think we bought anything off of him. Um, we just found this shit on the road. And we don't need it. What's this fucking look like an Oxfam? You're going to sell me a copy of the Da Vinci Code? And then he realises he's being gobby. He's like, look, what, what do you want? Come on. Uh, I'll just take out the two hand axes and the javelin and put those on the counter. He looks at you. He's like, all right, hand axe, javelin. Looks around, picks them up, looks at the flight, uh, weighs them up in his hands. Um, hand axe, he's like, offer you two gold for that? Two gold each? Yeah. Cool. Sounds good. Javelin, he looks up. It's a little bit bent. He, the, the javelin's bent. He's literally like, oh, one gold. Good for me. Throws it in a corner with a pile of other, like, scrap metal. Cool. I'd like to inquire about his best weapon. Best weapon he's got? Um, he looks at you, looks you up and down, gets the kind of, like, um, weight of you, and he picks up a giant, um, like, morning star, like a giant spiked ball on the end of a chain. Ooh. And just, like, you see it, like, free swinging in front of you. I watch it go back and forth and go, Daddy likey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I inquire how much. Uh, he tells you it is a plus... Two morning star, and if you want it, it is uh, sixty gold pieces. I said that is a scandalous. You try to rip me off, buddy. Make me an intimidation check. Okay, I'm liking these prices. Sixteen. Sixteen. He's quite happy with sixty gold pieces. You get the feeling that he's he's, he's on the level with that. He's made the fucking thing. So, oh, how much did he originally say? Sixty. But I won't pay less than sixty. <laughs> he takes the morning star away and starts putting it back on a shelf behind him. <laughs> I do not teach you on intimidation. Oh, is that not enough to get some bloody He's a discount? Blacksmith. He literally hits things. I say, I say, come on, mate, come on, play it back out. I'll give you fifty-five for it. That's more than even more than it's worth. Uh, he looks at your great axe that you've got, and he offers to sharpen it and make it a plus one great axe. If you buy the Morning Star, whole lot for a hundred gold. Oh, you drive a hard bargain, but apparently this is pretty good. So okay, <laughs> deal. You pass him a hundred gold. He gets your grey tax, gets it on a fucking like spinning whetstone. Sparks fly in all directions as he sharpens up your grey tax to make it plus one. You give him a hundred gold, and he gives you the ginormous plus two Morning Star. Which is a serious piece of weapon. You imagine if you swung that into anyone's face, you'd probably cave it in. As he's like, thank you very much, I'm an apprentice. My dad died and, you know, I've just been dicking around with metalwork ever since, really. He was a great, great, great blacksmith. I'm more of a, like, I just like metal things, really. You want to see if you can get a shield as well? Oh, no, wait, there's an armourer as well. We can always go there if you want. Yes, indeed. As he tells you, next door is the armourer. He's like... (laughs) Next door, Solmera Rump Ringer. She's a pretty good armorer. She'll do you any kind of armor you want. Shields. Anyone else want anything from the blacksmiths before we before we move on? Yes. Uh, look, look, look here, Merkinfoot. Um, 
and I describe to him how I want the um, the two skulls I have, the child skull and the, the chihuahua skull, filled with like resin so they can be drunk out of without everything falling out through the eye holes. And then I also want like a nice gold thing around the, the, the top of the skull, just to add a little bit of pizzazz. He uh, looks at you, he, he weighs it up, he takes the brief off you, he's like, yeah, I could do that, it's not exactly quick work. Uh, I can't just do that now like I can a weapon. I mean, if you want to leave the stuff with me, you can pay on completion if you want. Uh, so with the gold, I'd say 20 gold. That's including labor. Well, maybe completion. It'll take me about, it'll take me a day or so. I've got other jobs to do first. I'll make it 21 gold if you can do it in half a day. He's like, call it 26 gold and I'll do it in half a day. But I'm cutting my own throat with that deal. You drive a hard bargain, sir. Uh, it's going to be interesting. He's going to do that in half a day, but you're leaving in about two hours. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's taking the money. We'll, we'll pick it up on the way back. <laughs> so he takes it off, takes your order, puts it on a shelf. Um, right, where are you going from here? Armourers is next door, right? Armourers is next door. As you go into the armourers, again, similar deal. Dwarf and female this time. Uh, short, dumpy, still with quite a bit of stubble on her. Uh, her name is Solmera Rumpfringer, and she's battering out a uh, piece of plate armour over a forge, over an anvil even, sorry. You want to see if you can get a shield? Yeah, I do. I say, excuse me, darling. She's like, what manner of fucking shield do you want? I've got medium shields, large shields, spiked shields, small shields. I want a rate good shield. Uh, she looks you up and down. She she sees that you're a bigger lad. She's like, uh, for twenty gold pieces, you can have a large shield. It's pretty good. Um, it looks pretty fucking sturdy. Uh, it'll cover about. Uh, it's 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 imagine like a rectangular, more rectangular curved shield. Uh, rather than a circular one. Uh, it'll cover a good volume of the middle of your body. Uh, large shield, I'd say about 20 gold. Nice. What kind of AC bonus we talking? Uh, you'd be looking for a shield like that. Um, I would. I think that would be like plus two to your AC, something like that. Plus two, plus three, I'd say. Plus three. And what about this spiky shield? But you won't be able to use the shield and a heavy weapon simultaneously. Oh, I don't want the shield. I was going to say, is the Morning Star one-handed or is it two-handed? Uh, Morning Star is a bloody good question. Jesus Christ. Um, I, know he, I know he probably can't use it with his great axe, but I'm just thinking if he wants to go between the two. Uh, let's have a look. How do I know that? Uh, doesn't say. I think it's just one-handed, quite frankly. Mm. Could I have a shield with that? Then? With the morning star, yeah. If it's one-handed. With the great axe, no? Nah, not with the great axe. Uh, it's a martial melee weapon. Yeah, it's one-handed. Good. So, can I carry the shield, though, and not have it out? So, can I put the shield on my back and use my great axe? Or Yeah, it's an either-or. You can probably use your morning star and your shield together, or you can use your great axe. Yeah, go on. I'll, I'll splurge your I'll shield. give you that. 20 gold for a plus three to your AC. But, obviously, it's... Um, actually, do you know what? For 20 gold, I'll say for 20 gold, you can have plus two. For 50 gold, you can have a plus three. Okay, let's go with the 50 gold. Uh, oh, sorry, 20 gold for... What was the price of the 20 gold plus 2, 50 gold plus 3. I'm going to get 20 gold then. 20 gold plus 2. But obviously you can't use heavy weapons whilst using it, but you can carry it on your back. No problem with that. Uh, Right. Anyone else want anything from Armourer? Shopping episodes. Gotta love them. Um, 
Is there any... Is there any kind of light armor that I can get that isn't gonna... Um, that's a little bit better than leather? You've not gonna... got... Uh, light armor, you've got chain shirt, leather, padded or studded. How much is studded? He pulls out a majestic set of studded leather armor and says that's uh, 20 gold pieces. Just do a little bit of looking. So... The which, what was the other? What was the other stuff? So got chain. leather padded, studded chain shirt. Just having a look, I'm making sure that not only am I gonna. Uh, okay, I'll take the. Um, I'll take the studded. You're gonna look like something out of an S and M bar. Uh, yep, you get studded. What did I just say? Twenty gold pieces. Yep, twenty gold. Yeah, that'll work for me. So picking up your leather. Picking up your leather-studded armor off the counter, she looks at you. She's like, "Pleasure doing business with you." Right, where are you off to? Um, armor done. Let's hit up the magic shop. Magic shop. As you walk into the magic emporium, you see that it is a kind of everything you would hope it would be: potions, skulls. Uh, there's like random alchemical things with like smoke and bubbles seething out of them a random lizard skittering across a shelf at the back as you walk in you see a slightly eccentric looking fire genesi uh you see a woman instead of hair she has flames jutting out the back of her hair she's like a walking human flame her eyes lit up bright her hair kind of like flickering and bright as flames licking off the back of her head. I think I'm in love. Um, yeah. I'm going to let uh, Belsiar go first on this one. Uh, I'm still disguised as a businessman though, so I'm, 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 I can't tell them my, my true uh, draconic origins. Um, good day, gentle lady. Um, as you greet her, she literally gets all excited, notices you for the first time and is like, Hola, amigo! <laughs> Perfect. My Yamar is Smolder! Uh, good to meet you, Esmeralda? Smolder! Smolder, I get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she seems affronted by the fact that you've taken the piss out of her Can you. I've got some skulls that are being fashioned into drinking vessels as we speak. Uh, can you put, like, some kind of enchantment on them that make them do magical things? She's like, absolutely, I can do whatever you want in terms of magical items. I can become French, too. Uh, she's she's like, <laughs> I can do whatever you want. You just ask me and I will make it a thing. If it is in my powers, then I will also have a French accent. You just tell me what you want and we will make it happen. How about... A, 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 a vessel that gives you health and a vessel that poisons your enemies. She looks at you. She picks up a tome from behind the... Um, she picks up a tome from behind the desk, brings it up. Like, there's a cat on the side of the desk that she swats out the way as you hear a... Meow! As the cat runs off, uh, skittering across the counter, as she opens the tome of the book, blows like an inch of dust from inside it, moves her finger down the line and is like... Yes, yes, very, very interesting. Maybe we can make you these things. A cup that kills people and a cup that heals people. Yes, this is very possible, but it's not something that I can do quickly. 
It's okay. We're we're, we're actually uh, we're on our way to the uh, Pearlbank Village, so we'll hopefully be coming back here. So if you could send someone down to uh, the blacksmiths in a in a day or so, pick up the uh, pick up the the, the skulls and um, do the magic on them. She's and we'll pick them up. What the fuck does this look like? I go from A to B. I have nothing to do with C. Stop fucking around. This is not like stock control. You want something? You bring it here. I do magic. I give it back to you. But seriously, you want this? Maybe I could do 500 pounds for poisoning, 500 gold pieces for poisoning, 500 gold pieces for healing. Yeah, but I'll I'll, I'll pay you 100 now and the rest on our way back. Okay, this sounds very reasonable. She takes 100 gold coins off you with a promissory note that is scrawled. side of the promissory note is slightly burned as it lit on the side of her head. Uh, she hands it back to you, promising you to give you one poisoner's cup and one healer's cup in a gold filigree child's skull. And chihuahua skull. And a chihuahua skull. Yeah, I was going to say, which one's which? I'm thinking the, the, the child's skull will give life and the, the chihuahua skull will take it away. Definitely thought the other way around. Definitely thought the other way around. Uh, what was it? Is is there anything that anyone else wants to do in the healers before we wrap we're we're heading on into the allotted time so is there anything people want to do identify my shit sorry I'm I'm just I'm I'm truncating it down so that you know what I want she looks down at you she takes she sees your stumpy hands she points to a sign on the wall that says healer Um, and she looks down at your tat of shit and she's like, listen, I don't know what kind of magic tit tat you think this is, but seriously, uh, <sighs> small fee, you give me two gold pieces and I will identify all of this shit. Oh, the magic items, yeah. I, um, yes, I, I wasn't the... talking about your testicles, my friend. As she smacks um, back her flaming hair. I'm glad you noticed. Thank you very much. No one ever does. Um, I, uh, I give her the two gold and I put the um, I put my my uh, dagger, the unidentified vials of liquid, the four flasks of fluid which we never got identified, and the uh, the glowing green stones on the um, on the counter. She picks up the dagger, goes, "Oh, this is too hot to touch, my friend," and she's like, "This is the dagger of cinder and ash." Dagger of cinder and ash. See. I like that. Are you going to do Alberta by any chance? That is both racist and my <laughs> accent is not good enough. Um, right, she gives you the dagger of cinder and ash back. Okay. She looks at the vials one by one, sniffs them. She picks up the red one, gives it a lick, sniffs it, pokes it, prods it, licks it, tickles it, and goes, this is the portion of Aqueous Farm. Aqueous is a great word to say in a mock Mexican accent. This is the worst Mexican accent anyone has ever done in their entire lives. Um, she picks up the amber one, sniffs it. This is the potion of heroism. Potion of heroism. Picks up the green oh. one, goes to stick her finger in, thinks better of it, and is like, this is the potion of flying. Potion of flying? Shit. Gets the blue one, sniffs it, licks it, rubs some into her gums, grows about four inches taller. She's like, this is the potion of growing. Potion of growing. Smashing. Thank you very much. You see at this point a fly buzzing around the shop as it flies into her hair, bursts into flames and just like immolates onto the ground. See, I am a natural fly trap, my friend. Please. <laughs> nice. Yes. Um, what about the, um, the four 
flasks of fluid. Four flasks of fluid. She whips out from under. She takes them off you. <laughs> what is her nice day? Uh, takes four flasks of fluid. Takes one off you. Cracks the lid. Treats it very carefully. Sniffs it. Licks it. Pokes it. Uses a dipstick. Checks its pH. Takes it back out. Puts a little on the counter. The cat licks some. Sniffs it again. She's like, oh, this is good. This is very fine wine, my friend. This is... Uh, Pap du Stank. This is vintage wine. Pap du Stank. Ah, du Stank. 94. Well, this is such a good year from the Stank Valley in Podzun. Nice. I'm, I'm happy with that. And the uh, the glowing green stones. You put them on the counter. She's like, get that shit away from me. That is evil. <laughs> she uh, points to a sign on the door that says, uh, no cursed stones. <laughs> that just says no evil. <laughs> This is a mythical store, my friend. I just, I just like put them back in the backpack, and I'm just like, apologies, didn't mean to offend. It um, is all right. If anyone, my accent is the thing that she's going to offend people at this point. Yeah. I say, don't worry about that. That's for the, that's for the viewers at home to decide. She picks up your hand, holds it in hers, and she's like, "Oh, you have such stumpy little fingers. Would you like me to heal your hands?" Yes, please. She looks at you. She's like. Listen, I don't entirely have my medical degree. I am training, but if you like, I will have a good fixing your fingers for you. Yeah, sure. She's like, oh, 200 gold. Pretty sure I have enough. Pretty sure. And if you get a hairdresser and they get like the trainees out, that's normally free, right? Yeah. Hang on, you could you could do you could just do like the the fingers that you really care about. <laughs> I could just do one hand, or or I could do like three fingers on both hands. What are your knocking fingers? <laughs> what do you mean by knocking? Um, I'm gonna say two hundred. I can do two hundred, my friend. Let's dance. As pushes the two hundred over, she takes your hands in hers, gets another book off the shelf. A small raven flies off off the top of the shelf and it's like, Ka-ka! As she takes a book, lays it on the counter, flicks through various pages, pulls out one of the pages, gets some chalk, draws a kind of pentagram, takes your hand, sprinkles some dust over the pentagram as the lines light up in a blue kind of electrical crackle. She holds your hands in the middle in her hands. You feel a warmth rising up. She starts like singing a small incantation. As she like you hear her like the energy, you see her eyes glow as she's like What's the matter? You're got us out of here. That's all I wanted. I just wanted the incantations in the accent. That's all I wanted. She's like, What's the matter? You'll see him. As you feel your hands are starting to warm up. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> right. Good. Um, the doctor has some bad news. That didn't entirely get planned. Oh, no. Uh, as you feel pain shooting through your hands, you feel an electrical arc and a crackling. Um, as you feel like growing pains stabbing through your hands, uh, as you grow back one finger, <laughs> um, you can now you can now point a thing. Can I do which which finger is it? Left hand, little finger. Oh, you prick. It's little finger. She, I, um, she's like, would you like to gamble again? <laughs> I take back 180 gold. <laughs> make me a persuasion check. <laughs> Sorry, make me an... Uh, yeah, make me a persuasion check. Oh, 
11. She's like, all right, Luke, listen, I've never tried this before. I've just seen other people do it. I'm learning, I'm learning. And she pushes back 100 gold. She's like, you take 100, you pay me 50, we try again. Oh, deal. I'll take 100 gold back and you'll try again for free. Make me a persuasion check. Make me an intimidation check. Okay. 13. 13. She's like, okay, let's try again. She holds your hands. She looks again, flicks through various manuals, scribbles out part of the pentagram, gets the chalk out, gets red chalk this time, draws an extra little symbols in it, takes your hands again, holds it over the top, and she's like, we're flying in the air, we're flying in the air, nowhere. This is, this is why it didn't work before, because we didn't use public domain songs. <laughs> 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 She takes your hand and once again she's like, What's the matter? Hey, God, who's the man? Oh, yeah, this song is a public domain. And she pulls your hands. And she once again rolls a medicine check. Oh, you've got to be shitting me. She got, she got a seven. Um, oh. She got a seven. Um, well, last time you, she got 19, and that gave me one finger back. So, what the fuck happens now? <laughs> She's got seven. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I wasn't paying for that shit again. Uh, <laughs> you feel a burning sensation. <laughs> Your toes get slightly. <laughs> Oh, you motherfucker! Thank <laughs> you, You feel a cramping sensation in your shoes as your toes stretch out slightly. This bitch! <laughs> I say, what the fuck are you doing to me? Uh, I'm very sorry. Maybe I did not get the song right. As um, I take the hundred gold back. <laughs> I'm taking all the money back. She gives you the money. She's like, I do. I give you the money, but don't tell anyone this happened, okay? And uh, maybe get some bigger shoes. <laughs> I take I take the sign that says healer. <laughs> Add to your inventory the sign that says healer. <laughs> okay, as you make your way back out of the healer's shop, you make your way back down the high street, back to the bar. As you see, you've got a modicum of time left, just enough time to get your gear together before, um, um, what's his name? Marvo Gammonhammer. No, hang on, Marvo Gammonhammer, yeah, uh, before yeah. comes back um, to um, pick you up for your trip. Sorry, I don't think his name is... Um, sorry, Marvo Gammonhammer was the captain who passed out with a drink. This is uh, Tavistock. Uh, his name was Tavistock. He was one of the, the glass blades, and you made a deal with him to go to Palebank Village, and then he was going to take you back down to the abandoned village full of yetis. So as you make your way back into the bar, you see uh, Llewellyn cleaning up. Llewellyn's eyes light up as he sees Maud again as you make the international sign for it's on, finger pistols. Pew, pew. Um, as you gather all your stuff together, pick up anything that you've had um, left at the inn finish paying up you say your goodbyes to Simig as uh, Tavistock arrives back covered in a thin layer of snow he looks at you and he's like you're ready to go then yeah let's do it you'll have to leave your total friend behind we're going to take some mountain passes that probably aren't conducive to a coach as I we've we've said our goodbyes and I'm just going to like turn to Simic and give him a give him a salute 
he goes, is he going to wear a fucking winter clothing? As he looks over at Aristobulus, whose knees are knocking together in his little silk kimono. I mean, I'm pretty sure that he's got, like, a winter clothing version of his skimpy attire. As he's like, oh, all right then. As he takes the, he hides his robe of stars. Uh, Tavistock's like, all right, follow me, we leave. As you all say your goodbyes to the bar staff, say your last goodbyes to Simic, who says you'll see him soon and pick back up with him at some point. You'll keep the coach there until you're ready. Uh, he seems to be happy visiting all the various drinking establishments as he waits for you. As you set off on your journey to Pale Bank Village at the top of the Graying Wildlands, and that is where we will leave this week's episode. Well, that should keep you going for another week. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. If you've made it this far, why not consider hitting that subscribe button and never missing another episode again? Better yet, give us a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice and help validate our crippling sense of self-worth. If you fancy supporting us, you can help us by donating the price of a hot drink on coffee.com forward slash Adventurers Anonymous. And for all the latest news and updates, we can be found at twitter.com forward slash Adventurers A-N-O-1. So that just leaves time to say a huge goodbye from Chris, Chris, Lewis, Matt, Chanel, and myself. See you all next week. Stay tipsy. Mm-hmm.